Hi, I'm Julie Morgenstern, and welcome to Time to Parent, the podcast that will give you more time, less guilt, and deeper joy. This is another skill episode where I coach a client named Kathy on how she can build a village. One thing that distinguishes today's generation of parents over all previous generations of parents is that they are very actively and consciously choosing to have kids. And they take that decision very seriously. But what that also tends to lead to is thinking that they have to bear the full burden of responsibility for those children. And they can be very reticent to ask for help or to delegate because they feel their children are their responsibility. Yet, creating a network of people your children can trust and rely on is an essential part of setting kids up for success. Having a village also helps alleviate some of the pressure you as a parent feel because you know you have people you can rely on for both logistical and emotional support in the very challenging job of raising kids. And here's where we go to Kathy, the mom of a 10-year-old daughter. Coming up, you'll hear her talk about her struggle with delegation and its impact on her. Let's go to that coaching session now. So what is your biggest challenge when it comes to delegating and building a village and getting support um, to do what so, you need to do? So my in-laws and my family are both about 45 minutes away. Um, so they'll do like overnights, like occasionally here and there, um, you know, they can, they'll step in and help us out when, you know, when they're able to do so. But like... Stuff like uh, just going out to dinner or for the, just my husband and I mm-hmm. or back to school night where it's only an hour or something like that. You know, that's I couldn't ask them to do that because they they would get back very late and then, you know, they have to work the next day and all that kind of stuff. But we, we have for back to school night, we have switched with friends of ours. Like so she, their daughter has a different back to school night than my daughter. So on my daughter's back to school night she'll stay with them and then when she had back to school night I stayed at their house mm-hmm. um, so that worked out but then for things like you know my, my husband and I our anniversary was the 27th and we had two babysitters but one moved away I think the the idea of trying to even plan it is like becomes overwhelming you know because if, if the one babysitter can't do it then you know well, I don't know what we're going to do but yeah, we haven't so we haven't tackled that yet. But even like I was saying, just to go for a night out, you know, gets difficult. So is the main thing, the main challenge that you're facing right now in regards to this is that without kind of a good village around you, and it's it's really a lack of sort of babysitting coverage, right? So you and your husband can go out. That's the main gap, right? And, right. you know, like he if if there's a specific appointment today, um, he's dropping her off with friends so he can go to a doctor's appointment or something like that. But when it's like a dinner out, you feel like it's not a necessity, even though it kind of is. <laughs> yes, I think it is. Actually, you answered that question for yourself and every other listener. Right. But I, I do understand. So what I'm hearing is, as you're talking, that the goal is really... Um, you you are tapping into friends, your your daughter's friends mm-hmm. and those families 
only when it is a necessity. Right. But it's you're choosing only if it's a back to school night or if it's a doctor's appointment, but not for time together as a couple, right. time off as a couple. I spoke with Melissa Milkey in writing the book, who is a leading sociologist who's been studying family life for mm-hmm. decades. And I had asked her what's unique about this generation of parents as she studied family life and parenting over the decades. And she said the two things that are unique to this this generation of parents is this generation of parents really takes the job of parenting very seriously. You know what you signed up for. This was not like a blind, I don't know what it means to have a kid. Like you knew you were investing time and resources and you are spending more time than any other generation with your children, this generation is. But it's often at the cost of self-care and marriage care and all of that. It's like all resources go into the kid. I've heard that, yeah. Yeah. Even more important to Melissa Milky, Dr. Milky's point, she said that the best thing that parents today can do is to think of their family as beyond the walls of their own home and beyond their nuclear family. So if your in-laws are far away, that's okay. You have a village around you of other parents, of teachers, of neighbors, of service providers, of shop owners, and to really tap into that village because when kids grow up in a village, they develop to be their best selves And parents, the job of parenting, instead of feeling like a huge burden, really you're supported by a safety net of emotional support and logistical support that enables you to actually do this job with more joy. Right. All right. So I think there's like, if you really think about it, there's really two two pieces here. One, you actually do have a village. You mm-hmm. are just not utilizing it right. fully. Right. Right? Because you have a 10-year-old daughter. Right. It sounds like she's got some friends. Yep. And you have some other f- parent friends yeah. that are part of your village. Yes. And they're a great village, too. I should add that. They yes. are? Yes. So tell me about that. Tell us about that. Oh, well, I just went out with them on Friday. They w- And I know that they would step in and, and help us out. And who are these people? These they're fr- um, they're her friend's parent, my daughter's her friend's, friend's parents. parents. Yes. So, and that's one couple, and then they're your daughter's friend. Is there anybody else in the village? Yeah. Oh well, no. There's there's that one couple, and then and then there's a group of mom friends that I go out with from her school. Yeah, that's who I saw on Friday. So the yeah. group of mom friends. Yeah, so yeah. and how big is that group? Uh, there's about four or five of us, something like that. Okay. So, and you guys go out as moms. Yeah. Okay. So you have a village. And people that you love and they you appreciate and they appreciate you, but you're just not utilizing them to the fullest extent. So I really think this is uh, just sort of extent, you know, extending your use of your village and feeling good about it. So first of all, you got to understand that your desire to have date time with your husband mm-hmm. is is not not essential. It's not not right. critical. It is critical, like. When you are married and raising kids, if you do not set aside time to cultivate that relationship as a relationship, not just as co-parents, right, right, it starts to sort of wither and falter and choke a little bit because it's not getting nourished. Right. Right. 
And that can create all kinds of problems, needless to say, right? right. You guys feel disconnected. You're not on the same page. Co-parenting gets even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Because all the time you have is just talking about the kids and it's and you guys that's just actually doesn't it doesn't even help your parenting. Right. Right. So first of all, let's get out of our heads that it's not essential. You have to make that internal shift that right. this is absolutely essential both to successful parenting as well as you and your husband's own happiness as a couple. Right. Just trying to give you some of the why. Mm-hmm. It's important so you get out of like, this is not a necessity or this is one of the nice to haves, but not necessary. No, I think it's necessary. Right? Right. So I think what you need to do is just sort of organize it and make it systematic. You could organize it with all of the couples or you could just start with, like start something with the parents of your daughter's friend. Right. That is so easy and accessible. If you guys have covered for each other for parent-teacher conferences, maybe you sit down and say, look, we did that for parent-teacher conference. What if we extended that and we did these exchanges where we each, there was a play date or a sleepover of the girls, you know, and one night a week they sleep at your house and we get the night off and the next week... They sleep at our house and you get the night off. And if each couple got two Saturday, two weekends a month that they actually got like a whole night as date night with an overnight, like how amazing would that be? Right, right. And just ask them if that's something that they would be open to. And then you can go to the mom friends and maybe build something else, which is like everybody offers their house one night, you got four or five moms, that's like one night a week where maybe all the kids, I don't know, maybe all the kids come to your house once a month Mm -hmm. on a Friday. And then all the other parents, they get that night to themselves, that evening to themselves. And then the next week you do and the next week the next one does. So I just try to organize it with them. You have to just check in. I would start easy with the one couple. Right. So how does that sound before I go on? Like, how do you, how do you, how does that sound to you as a strategy? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, my, I mean, I'm sure I could work something out. We have a condo, so we have an apartment. So space is a little limited, whereas everybody else probably has a house. And so they could have everybody over. Um, but, you know, that, like I said, that's something I we could probably work out. Like where maybe we just did one kid as opposed to, you know, a whole group or, or something let's, like that. Let's try it another way. Mm-hmm. So your house is maybe too small to entertain a group of four or five girls. Right. Maybe not overnight. What about for a dinner, for movie night at your house? Right. Once yeah, that we could do that. We just actually just did that for her birthday. We had a movie night. So what it and how cool would it be for every family in this little village, right? All four of these families who take the girls once a month, which right, one week night or right. one right, that's also and you have your tradition that you set. And then each week they go to somebody's house for an evening for some hangout time. Right. It doesn't have to be an overnight. So if you can accommodate four or five girls in your house for an activity, just to hang out for a few hours, you're giving all those other couples a few hours off where they can go to a movie or they can hang out at home or they can do something as a couple. Right. It doesn't have to be overnight. 
Right. But it can be predictable. That makes sense. So what I would say is let's say one weeknight right, or Friday nights. There is a traditional Friday Friends Night, and this group agrees they're going to rotate houses. Every Friday night they're going to be at a different family's house. Right. And so you know once a month you're responsible for Friday Friends Night. And the other three Fridays, you and your husband have the Friday off. So now you've got three Friday nights free for date night. And It'll be like have... vacation. <laughs> We're going to pause for a break in just a moment. To reiterate, surrounding yourself with a village should be an essential part of being a parent. You can't do it alone and feel like a complete person. It just doesn't work that way. And you're not alone in feeling like you have to do it by yourself. Many parents feel this way. But when parents aren't reaching out to each other and helping each other, that's where this anxiety can come from, this guilt over asking for help. All parents need and deserve help. It's a big job. And what better way to get help than from your community of parents around you? We talked about the benefit of building a village for you and your time. After the break, we'll talk about the benefit of having a village for your kids. Stay tuned. Before the break, I suggested that Kathy try organizing the parents around her into a village. That way, they could always count on each other to care for each other's kids in an emergency. But beyond that, there's also a reliable, consistent schedule that the whole group can each count on to have couples night out on a regular basis. Now, I coach Kathy on the benefits of a village for the kids. So the other thing to keep in mind here, so you can see how the math works, and you can find that time by tapping into the village. And that's the benefit to you and your husband, mm -hmm. right? And you get that. But let's talk about the benefit to your kid. When your kid feels part of an extended village with other parents, other friends, and they start developing an identity that goes beyond the walls of your home, it gives them such a sense of security, support, okay. resources. If they have, they're stimulated by all many more different types of people, which when you're growing a human, you want them stimulated emotionally, mentally, creatively. Like you and your husband may be in the arts, but like if somebody in this group's father or mother is a scientist... And they're right. talking science in their house. you're exposing them to more. Exactly. <laughs> you're exposing them to more paths, more points of view, more types of activities. Right. Which is going to help stimulate their growth. They can become more of who they are. If you think about your own childhood and how you became who you became, who in your greater village gave the idea to go into publishing or an appreciation of reading? Was it just your parents or was somebody else? So you want to think about that it's stimulating for them. If you're not isolated, but you have lots of people around you who you consider friends and resources, if you have a problem, if you have a question, you have emotional support all around you and more options than one or two. Right. You have logistical support. It, this You build this community, this friends club, 
when your kid is having trouble in school, um, peer pressure or whatever, she's about to enter that whole adolescent thing, having this little club of friends becomes emotionally like a safe place, no matter where how they're accepted or not in clicks at school. I mean, there's just so many ways that it benefits our kids, all humans, to, to be part of a village, not just for you, but for your kid. That makes sense. Yeah. And you like these kids? Mm-hmm. Yep. All very sweet, yes. Yeah. And we like the parents, too. So This is a win, win, win in terms of you and every single couple is going to get couple time that they can count on. Right. And every kid is going to have a larger village that they can tap into and feel their identity forming with and feel a part of and feel supported by more stimulation and it's just kind of fun. Like kids like tradition. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. we have Friday Friends Night. That's how I grew up. And every, you know, every Friday we hung out with our friends and we did something cool in somebody else's house. So we've talked about some practical things and mindset shifts, the benefits to you, to your daughter, and some practical ways to go about it. Can you just sort of, some like, what did you get out of this and what do you think will be useful to you that you're going to use? Well, the phrase build a village is going to like run through my head. I can already see it for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to. I mean, like I said, I I feel like I've started, but I need to, you know, expand it more to even not just uh, doing it for appointments, or, but, you know, so that we can go out and like have a, an adult conversation. And um, and I'm curious also to see what the other moms in my group say, like if they if they have, you know, if they do this with somebody or if they if it was something that they were thinking and but didn't want to say it, you know, because they feel like maybe it's some sort of an abuse of kindness or, or something like that. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'm going to go I'm going to go home and I'm going to ask them the question. I, this abuse of kindness and not wanting to impose is, I think, the biggest obstacle to building a village. And it's just false yeah, thinking. I, it's it's I think false, it's where this all comes from is yeah. false thinking. Right. So I'm just going to go to this one thing. If anybody asks you to watch their kid, anybody so that they can do whatever it is, have a night off, whatever it is that they need. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, and I've thought of it from that point of view, too, because I would say yes. I would totally help them out. And and, and how, I just actually did it very recently for a friend of ours. So And, and how yeah. did it make you feel that they asked you? And how did it make you feel to do it? Yeah, I love doing it. Um, the, I actually volunteered to do it for them because I saw that they were having a lot of problems. And so um, so I was, t- I was totally ha- happy to help them out. You were. Yeah. Made yeah. you feel good. Yeah. Did not make you feel burdened. No, Did especially because they f- were nice kids and, you know. Exactly. Yeah, and they're friends with my daughter. She loved it, you know. Right, and so. you, I am going to guess, felt valued and trusted. Yes. Which made you feel like a that's million a good, bucks. That's a good um, description, yeah. So don't deny other people the joy of feeling valued and trusted. It is a false idea that asking people to do stuff is going to be a burden or an abuse of kindness. Everybody in this world likes to feel valued and make a contribution and be trusted. And by you're not actually extending that to your village and giving everybody a chance to be valued and contribute and do something and be trusted, they're going to feel great. Plus they get something back. 
So you got to break this thinking. It's like, in many ways, asking people to help is a gift of giving them a chance to feel trusted and valued and make a contribution, which we all thrive on as humans. And you're not doing it and not returning the favor. Right. It's an exchange. It's an act of trust. It's a thing to celebrate. That makes sense. That's a better um, approach to it. Before we end this episode, here's what I want to highlight. Asking others for help when you need coverage for necessities may seem like an obvious thing to do. But asking others for help when you need to see your partner more or need to take a gym class is something you should also do. How do you accomplish this without feeling guilty? Do a trade. Recognize that if you're feeling strapped for time away from your child, your village probably is too. By partnering up with one another, you can create a system that works for you, that works for your village, and that works for your kids. This has been the Time to Parent podcast. I'm Julie Morgenstern. My new book, also titled Time to Parent, is out now. Buy it wherever you get books or at the link in the show notes. You can find more information on my website, juliemorgenstern.com. If you like the show, please be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen. We're looking for questions from you. Do you have questions on how you can balance your time as a parent? Email them to timetoparent at macmillan.com. This show is produced by the genius Becky Celestina with editing help from Alyssa Martino and Katie Ferguson. Thanks also to the irreplaceable Tatiana McPartland. She keeps me organized so I can keep you organized. See you next week.